When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, how many uh, cars and trucks have we bought either on Facebook, Marketplace, or on Craigslist? Well, how many good cars and trucks or how many total? <laughs> Both. A lot. <laughs> yeah, probably too many dead. And in this podcast slash video, we're going to be talking about the things that we've learned to do and not to do. In other words, the best tips and tricks on getting a good car or truck when buying it on Facebook or Craigslist. Because if there's a mistake, Tommy, we've made it. Yes, it's kind of the Wild West, and we have been um, figuratively held up in many a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason for that, of course, is because we buy way too many cars and trucks. All right, so let's get started right after this open. Congratulations, you have now tuned into TFL Talk, where we discuss everything automotive, whether it's cars or trucks. This is the one place where you can be sure to get independent and honest reviews. Let's get back to the show right now. And by the way, Tommy, we're joined by a special guest that you may see uh, if you're watching this on video walking around here. Who is that? Yeah, you may hear him too. This is our puppy Blaze. He's a Bernese Mountain Dog, and he is quite panty today. Yeah, he's become the TFL uh, mascot dog, our test dog as well. Uh, and today he's in the office, so if you see him or if you hear him, uh, well, it's just fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He's uh, He's got to be stuck with us today, so uh, we apologize for any feline-related fiascos. All right, so let's talk about Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Uh, and let's also talk about, before we get started, and we just had this experience yesterday. Now, I don't want to name the dealer because I don't want to shame anybody, uh, but we went to buy a car uh, at a dealer, which I hate doing. And once again, I was proven that this is something that I never want to do. And this is a used car dealer. I'm not talking about new dealers. I'm talking about a used car dealer. And why don't we talk about what happened to us? So we were looking for uh, a new off-roader to buy, a budget off-roader, and you take up the story from there. Right. So we found the example of this off-roader up in Wyoming. Yep. But let's not, let's not like even say where i don't like i said i don't want to shame people right it was a very long drive though from our office it, it was two hours uh, and so what happened was we were looking for a cheap off-roader uh, we found it and it was a unique off-roader in that it had a manual transmission and uh very rare and we wanted a manual so uh we just had gotten the defender and we hadn't put a lot of miles on our new defender so i thought to myself let's have a great trip uh to actually going uh, to kind of on a road trip and checking out a car, uh, and let's do it from a dealership. Now, usually my go-to is never buy a vehicle from a used car dealer, and I'll tell you why. Even if it's the greatest used car dealer, it's always, if it's cheap, like now we're looking at a vehicle that's like $5,000, right? It's always going to be at least $2,000 more expensive than getting it for really what the retail value is from or the private party value is from an owner. And that's kind of just across the board, and it, it definitely varies more if you buy you know, more expensive used vehicles. But that's typically you're not going to find the KBB value or anything near the KBB value if you go through a used vehicle dealership because they have to make money on the car as well. I would say on the low end, if you're looking at a car that's, let's say, five to $10,000, you're going to pay at least a $2,000 premium to buy it from the dealership. And for that $2,000, you're going to get, in my mind, at least from a used car dealer, uh, not a lot of value. Or if you're looking for something that's even more expensive, you know, like, let's say, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 car, then you can pay as much as a $10,000 premium. Wow. You know, we spend a lot of time looking at the value of cars from owners and then from dealers. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it's also a much uh, more interesting sometimes uh, uh, experience buying from an owner, especially if the owner is a really good owner. And we'll get into that because that's one of my tips. But so my first tip is, if at all possible, uh, don't 
when you're on Craigslist buy a car from a dealership. So the first thing I do on Craigslist or on Facebook, which is harder, is on Craigslist I buy only cars from owners, so I click that owner button. I don't even care about the inventory that dealers have. And ideally, if you're going through an owner, another yep. advantage is you uh, have an idea of how the vehicle is cared for. So maybe they have um, some service history or they have the uh, knowledge behind the car and, and can tell you what it's been like to own and the issues they have and uh, you, you know some of the foibles with the car. Whereas a dealer, oftentimes they purchase the cars from an auction. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're handed from one dealer to another in some cases. And, and a lot of the times, uh, that service history and that knowledge behind the car gets lost. Yeah, or the repair history or, or, the, repair or history. the lack of it. Uh, and unfortunately, that's why I prefer um, Craigslist because I can sort for cars and trucks that are by owner. On Facebook, you can't do that. Right. right? There's a little thing that says dealer, but you can't go in and say, show me only the vehicles by owners. Yes, that's true. So let's keep going with our little story here. So yeah. you called the dealer so, so a call, day ahead of time. Yeah, I called the dealer, and I've got a set of questions. And this is the next thing. Have a set of questions. Uh, if you, if not, have them written down. If you know them in your head, then, you know, do them from memory. But there's a set of questions I always ask. First, I ask, um, do you know the history of the vehicle, right? What's the history? How long, have, if it's an owner, I say, how long have you had it? If it's a dealer, I try to find out if he knows the history of it, just what you talked about. Dealer, used car dealers usually don't know the history, so you're kind of out of luck there. Then there's just basic things that I want to know. Is there any rust on the vehicle? Right. Because rust is, you could fix anything, um, including rust, but rust by far is the most expensive thing to fix. Body work is, you know, let's say at least five to ten times more important, more expensive than fixing like a clutch or repairing brakes or something like that. So any rust immediately disqualifies the vehicle. Um, accident history is important. That's next, yes. Very important. So you want to um, preferably run a Carfax, which you, which we always do. Uh, but also it's it's worth just kind of understanding if, if the owner or the dealer has under uh, knowledge of what happened in the accident that may tell a, a more full picture than just the Carfax. And, and once again, any accidents, hey, Blazy, immediately disqualify the car for purchase for me. Uh, you know, there's plenty of used vehicles out there. You don't need to buy the ones that have been in an accident. Uh, and the next thing I ask in that same regard is, does it have a clean title? Because a rebuilt title or uh, some kind of a um, salvage. salvage title is immediate, like, walk away. Yes, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, it could have been repaired poorly. It could have been report, repaired excellently. Uh, it's oftentimes tricky to get insurance for a vehicle with a rebuilt or a salvage title. Um, and the resale value is just in the toilet compared to a clean title. Yeah, I mean, look, in my head, I wish that somebody who rebuilt that vehicle had taken as much care and time as I would uh, to, to do it. But chances are they didn't. And chances are you're buying a vehicle that is extremely compromised. Either it's compromised from a mechanical standpoint where something expensive will fail, or more importantly, it's compromised from a safety point of view, right? There are crash zones that once you get crumpled, you can't, you know, if you're doing it in the backyard, you're never going to put them back together. Uh, and if, as if there ever has been an airbag deployment, not don't walk away from it, but run and run far and run fast. So then the next thing we ask is leaks. You know, does the vehicle leak? Does the vehicle burn oil? Um, we are in uh, Boulder, Colorado, so we are in an emissions county. Uh, so we ask, you know, do you have proof of emissions? Or smog if you're in California. Or smog, Because yep. if you can't title it, what's the point? Or if you can title it uh, and you have to have it emissions fixed, it's very expensive. Remember that YJ we bought? Why don't you tell the story about the YJ? That was interesting. Yeah, I had a 95 Wrangler, and um, the way it works in Colorado is you can get temporary tags once you buy a vehicle. There are these little pla- uh, paper or plastic tags, uh, and then you, you drive it around for 60 days. And in that time, you go and get your emissions test done, and then you can get your permanent plates. Anyway, we bought this 95 Wrangler um, on temporary tags on the little plastic temporary guys. And we asked the owner, said, you know, why are you selling it so soon? Because it, clearly he just bought it, another mm-hmm. red flag. Um, and he said, you know, I just had a baby, and my wife doesn't like the baby riding in the backseat of this Jeep. Makes sense, like, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the reason he was selling it is because it failed emissions badly in his county. And um, when we went and got an emissions tested, it failed horribly. And it turns out that it passed the visual inspection. It had a catalytic converter. Um, but when we brought it to our mechanic, he chopped it out, and it turns out it was, like, hollowed out. Yeah, so, so all, of, all of the goop in there was gone. Yeah, so what the owner had done at that point was they had purchased uh, the vehicle. They figured out that it wouldn't pass emissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that was that there was no catalytic converter actually in the case. Right. And so they decided to move it on because, Tommy, catalytic converters are very expensive. Yeah, and it's very interesting. Uh, if you look at kind of the rules and the regulations, there's a lot of, like, 
subtle laws about emissions and, and sellers. So um, a dealer, they have to, I believe, provide you with proof of an emissions test. And if they don't, you have four days to get it tested. And if it fails within those few days, you can actually bring it back for a refund. Be sure to check your laws. I don't, I don't want to it, you know, here in control. Colorado. Yeah. yeah, here in our county. Right. I believe that's how it works. And then um, if you're dealing with a private party. They also have to provide they, they also have to provide you with, with the proof yeah. that it passes. Or, uh, but most don't. But most don't. Almost. Almost all don't. Yeah. They don't know that. Anyway, so that, that uh, ended up being a $600 lesson. Uh, so that's the other thing. If somebody has just bought a car and the thing's on temporary plates, uh, there's a reason they're selling it. It's not because, you know, they want their baby to ride in a safer vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's keep going with their story. So, yeah, so, so you, I, you I, called I, about the offer. Yeah, and the guy's like, oh, this thing is in – and I look for cars, you know, that are uh, well-maintained and well-taken care of, right? Uh, I mean, the, 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 uh, the car that you want is a car that has been a one-owner car, Right. Yes, but, but that's so hard to find in so many it, it is. It's, 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 it's almost like finding a needle in a haystack. Uh, but a one-owner vehicle is incredible because usually the chances are that person knows the entire vehicle's history uh, and they've maintained it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm talking to the dealer and I'm like, okay, tell me about the car. And he's like, he, he, this is what he said. He's walking around and he said, this thing is in incredible condition. I can't believe how great of a condition this, this car is in. There's nothing I can see that's wrong with it. I'm like, well, that's good. And then he went on to say, because I asked him, I said, it's a manual transmission. How's the clutch? He goes, the clutch is great. I just drove it home uh, last week, and, uh, you know, everything's great. Keep in mind this vehicle had 135,000 miles on it, and with the manual, that's about the time when they start to go. Uh, and then, of course, I asked all the other questions. Is there any rust? You know, do you know the history? Everything's perfect. Uh, and then he was asking $5,000 for the car. And then the, this is the other important question when dealing with a used car dealer. What other fees are involved? He wanted, I believe it was either 80 or $90 for document work. Sometimes that number can be extremely high. We just bought a motorcycle where the dealership wanted $750 for the dock fees, Tommy. Yeah, 750 maybe. for putting the bike together and, you know, for – documentation fee and so the out of out the door price was going to be just under fifty one hundred dollars and i thought well he sounds nice he sounds like uh this is the kind of car we want it's very unique because it's a manual in this and we're not going to tell you what it is because we're still trying to buy it and we want to surprise you with it not that we're not trying to be transparent uh, but we do want to make it a surprise on the youtube channel uh, and so then we drive up to wyoming we had a great drive we had a great barbecue lunch very good and what happens when we walk up to the car well, you can already tell from like 20 feet that yep. it is not in as advertised condition. And, and we inspected the pictures pretty carefully. Yeah, the pictures, I mean, and they were shitty. Well, I'm sorry. They were crappy pictures, right? They weren't, for some reason, uh, dealer, used car dealers and owners don't have the ability to put high-definition pictures online even though their phones take them. I thought they were good pictures. Okay. Honestly, f f as used car dealers go, yeah. I thought these were pretty good pictures. And, um, you know, it was pretty thorough, all four corners, but they were certainly – kind of taken in a way where you couldn't see a lot of the imperfections of the car. And even from 10, 15 feet away, you could see the dents in the rear hatch, and you could see, you know, some pretty deep scratches along the doors. And um, he did mention that the tires were shot on the phone, and certainly the tires were, like, beyond unsafe. They were just totally bald. So, yeah, so we do a visual inspection. First thing, the front end looks like it's been peppered by a rock storm. Right. Right. Uh, the, the, the entire car is, you know, scratched or dented or dinged. Uh, you know, on the plastic bumpers, the, the paint is starting to not just fade but crack and you know, you can tell basically that the car had been sitting outside its entire life. And a great way to know that, and this is how I knew, is if you look at not the wiper blades, but the actual wipers. Those the arms. The arms. Those yeah. tend to be black, right? And if the car sits out, especially here in Colorado for a long time, that black fades and they turn kind of, the, you know, the, the black color is basically gone. and They turn either rusty or silver. And if you ever see that on a windshield wiper arm, it's a bad sign. Well, it depends. I mean, if you're in Arizona, even just driving the car around, those things are going to turn gray. You know, but it, it, it probably hasn't been garaged. The issue is that the car was not old enough for it to warrant having <laughs> rusty windshield or wiper arms. And then, uh, I mean... How we, long was it, 15 years old? Just less than that. Less than that, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 12 or something. Yeah. Um, but we, we made a lot of issue, mistakes. I mean, what we should have done is asked for more detailed pictures. Yes. Absolutely, we should have asked for more detailed pictures, asked specifically about pictures of imperfections in the paint. Uh, underneath, too, um, you know, it, it was a very affordable car, we thought... 
you know, it's 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 not going to be horrible underneath. That was a really big issue. We should have just assumed immediately that it was going to be rust buckets. It wasn't too rusty, but it was more rusty than I would have liked. There was a good amount of surface rust on the rear axle. And then the interior smelled like a toilet. Yeah, that's another <laughs> it thing. It smelled it, like a porta potty. Yeah, and then so the used car dealer comes out and I'm like, hi, you know, thank you. And immediately at that point, I knew I didn't want the car. But, you know, you're driven up and you're trying to be cordial. And the, what is the first thing he tells you, Tommy, or tells me? Well, he says, oh, just so you know, I drove this thing home last night. Like like, like this, he didn't know this the day, the day yes, before. last night. night last and he night. said, uh, and there's there's a slight issue with the second gear synchro. Just a, just a little issue. It might be because it's cold. Yeah, he said it's probably because it's cold. Um, and then I brought it to my, my uh, local mechanic which is also suspicious because we just talked to him the day before and said and my local mechanic thinks that it's probably okay because it's uh, cold. it's it's cold and the <laughs> I mean, there's so, there's so many issues wrong with this. Um, and, you know, if it was an old 1950s British car, then you would kind of expect a, 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 a crunchy gearbox. But this was a new enough car from a very reputable manufacturer known for building really high-quality vehicles and transmissions and, that any kind of crunch in any gear is not right. Yeah, yeah. and the, the issue, Tommy, for me was I had just spent, you know, 10 minutes talking to him the day before, and I specifically asked him about the condition of the car. and The transmission specifically. And this transmission. And I get there, and it's not as described. And all of a sudden, you know, he drove it home last night, uh, and there's an issue with the transmission. It, it was a typical, you know, used car, uh, uh, spit and shine, move it down the road dealership experience. Uh, and that's why, you know, whenever I have a chance, I try never to deal with used car dealers. He did lead off the bat with a $350 WeatherTech mat, which he was very proud of. Yeah, that it had to Or included yeah. in the vehicle. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, and and uh, I just don't understand this, is it's... So the reason that we went through this hassle right. is because it was the only manual transmission version of this off-roader right. in the country on AutoTrader. Yeah. So it's a very rare thing, which is why we drove two hours to go look at it. Um, but... <laughs> But um, I just it wasn't even that clean. Like the seats were really stained, and the headliner was stained. And uh, typically, uh, the used car dealers, if nothing else, they do a pretty good job of polishing money into them. But this hadn't even gone through that amount of care to get you know the the massive brown stain out of the seats. Yeah, and I don't look. I don't want to be unfair to uh, used car dealers because I'm sure there's great. ones. There's that, a lot of really good ones. I'm sure there. there's a lot of yep. really good ones out there. But here's the other th- thing I found out. And this is also a little uh, frustrating and scary. What you can do is if if you find one at a used car dealership, you can go and see what the ratings are either on Google or you know some other places, mm-hmm. and. Somehow, every used car dealership I've ever Googled for their ratings has a near-perfect Google score. I don't know how that happens. Maybe every used car dealership is is perfect. Uh, but it is astounding that if you Google them, they all have like, you know, four and a half out of five stars. And the first like five or ten comments for the most part are, this guy's great, love working with, you know, pick the name of the used car dealer. He did everything right, yada, yada, yada. And then somehow you end up showing up at this place and it's exactly what you thought it would be, which isn't what those reviews say. So I don't know what's going on there, but very rarely do you get reviews that are actually like, you know, honest and, you know, this guy really is not somebody you want to do business with. So so Nathan grew up in the used car um, world yeah. and in, in the wrecking yard world. And he has some really horrible stories from like the 80s and 90s in L.A. of, of some of the used car dealership shenanigans. And I think that has had to change a lot. And I think the Google ratings are a good thing because it has forced. But, I, but very rarely do I find like honest they're reviews. Out, they're out there though. Okay. I mean, I was just looking at a mini yesterday from a dealer that yeah. had two point six out of five, wow. which is astonishingly poor. The reason I stick away from them is not because I think I'm going to be ripped off. I mean, yep. It's because I think that they're just going to be charging me more than private party value. Yeah, and that that certainly ends up happening. Um, and like I said, I don't want to be unfair. I'm sure there's great used car dealers out there, so I don't want to malign the entire industry um, by you know one experience that wasn't very good. Uh, but it is, uh, it is, it, it has been our experience that buying the car directly from the owner um, tends to be better. But that's getting much harder, Tommy, because of COVID, right? So I think what's happening is, once upon a time on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, if there was a good car, uh, then um, it would be on there for a while. Now I'm finding that if there's a good car, if it's one of those Goldilocks cars where it's just perfect, one owner, well taken care of, it gets snapped up like that. And I don't think it's actually individuals snapping it up. I think dealers, used car dealers, 
have gotten wise to going on uh, Facebook, and instead of necessarily buying them from the auction, I think they're also out there looking for them, and, and they snap them up right away so that they can uh, resell them. And I, I mean, that's a smart business model, but it makes it much more difficult for just people like us or you out there who are just buying, trying to get a car for yourselves and aren't using it as a business uh, to find those cars. So I find now on Craigslist, if it's a good car, uh, it gets snapped up within the first day of it being posted. One day. You got one day and maybe less. But that happened before COVID too. I mean, if it's a good deal, people are going to find yeah, it but, pretty quickly. But I think with COVID, there's been uh, um, a lack of used cars. So used car prices have gone up. Uh, new car prices have also gone up and that's created a lot more uh, um, incentive for people to try to work either of those platforms from a kind of a business, you know, buy and sell perspective. So have you you want to tell them your your theory now on the private party? Yeah, so I have one rule. Yes, your rule. This is my one biggest tip, uh, and that is uh, if the owner is nice and you like them, uh, then uh, the car, more likely than not, will be good and uh, viable. And if the owner is not nice, (laughs) uh, then the car is probably not going to be so nice. Uh, And so my number one rule is, uh, and this is hard to do sometimes because everybody's kind of afraid of you know finding the axe murderer out there on on, uh, on 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 those two forums sometimes. My rule is I will not go and look at a car. I will not go and buy a car without first speaking to the owner. So on off, the phone, yeah, on the phone. So oftentimes what they'll do is email me or people want to communicate by text. I, I can't get any sense for what that person's like by email or by text. I actually need to talk to him on the phone. I want to get to know that person. I want to feel comfortable with that because let's face it, uh, you know, you're meeting a stranger and there have been a lot of incidences where, especially with Craigslist and with even Facebook, where these things turn ugly very quickly. And there are ways to mitigate that, right? When you go and meet the person, if you decide that actually this is somebody you can trust and you can do it here like in Boulder they've set up uh, special f- Craigslist and Facebook meeting places at police stations believe it or not it's a good idea yeah it's a good idea but if you don't have that in your community you could go do it at like a local mall maybe at a local Walmart or some or Target right where there's a big parking lot there's a lot of people in the daytime in the daytime we'll never go uh, that's another tip I will never go look at a vehicle at night right uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because you don't know what's going to – it's a safety issue. But more importantly, you want to be able to look at that car in the daylight and see the interior and the exterior. So let's talk about uh, kind of the kind of cars that, that I look for on either of those platforms. First of all, um, if there's no picture or only one picture, I immediately walk away. Maybe that's stupid, but you can't you – can't, you don't know, right? If, if, the, if the picture looks like it was taken on a potato camera uh, and – or – taken from some other place, right, then you immediately become suspicious. It's a huge red flag because especially on Craigslist, there's just so many scams, Tommy, so many. I would say, I don't know, but it feels like at least one out of 10, maybe one out of 20 of, of those listings is not real. Yeah, but they're, they're somewhat easy to scope out. Yeah, like I was looking at – I mean, at- if, it, if, it's, if the price is just like way too cheap to be true – it's probably a scam. If if there's a featured image that has some kind of like text on it, like email me at blank, it's probably a scam. Yeah, the other way that I look for it is like I remember I was just looking at a vehicle that was way underpriced, and then I started looking at the background picture, and this is somebody who's local because you can see on the map where they're at on Craigslist, right? Yeah. Um, there were a lot of palm trees behind the vehicle, Tommy. Right. Not a lot of palm trees here in Colorado, in uh, Denver, uh, so you can tell that's a scam. And then if you read the description, oftentimes if it looks like either a computer wrote it or um, there are like keywords, one owner car, mechanically, you know, perfect, uh, uh, need to sell, you know. At any time, like, anybody's passed away and there's a description of, of the vehicle and then, you know, my grandma passed away and I need to sell this, it's always a red flag. Right, that's true. Although you did, you did look at that um, Audi Allroad the other day and that, that text, I swear, was from a robot. It was so well... Uh well-written and just, like, methodical. But it turns out it was a real owner. Yeah, so we were looking at an Audi All-Road. We wanted to buy, let's face it, the worst Audi ever built. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was one for sale, uh, and I called the guy. The guy was excellent, really great guy. And what, what had happened with this vehicle was we wanted to do a video series about the worst Audi ever sold, ever built, which is, I think, the Audi All-Road. Pretty much anything that can go wrong on a vehicle, and that means air suspension, turbos, brakes, uh, transmission, will go wrong with this car. 
Uh, I don't know if you you know if you're a fan of YouTube. Doug Demare actually ran it over with his Hummer a long time ago. You remember that? Right. Yep. So this one was. It was almost too good to be true because it was one owner yeah. from 03. Yep. They were asking three grand for it. Yep. Really good pictures. Yep. Um, it was like, perfect. This, well maintained. This vehicle is meticulously maintained with a full service history and one owner. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's probably a scam. But it turns out it was. It was you know this gentleman who bought it brand new and was asking three grand for it because apparently it needed a clutch. Yeah, but then I got on the phone. He's like, yeah, it needs a clutch, but I also have my mechanic look, and it probably needs a flywheel as well. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and this is a common problem with, like I said, everything that can go wrong will go wrong with Everything's cars. a common problem on an all-road there. Yeah, every yeah. common problem you had. But but he had spent a ton of money, right? He had redone the air suspension, which most people just get rid of. Yeah, he had a new engine in it. He yeah. had a new engine in it because those fail. Uh, and then so I'm like, okay, thank you very much. He was great. I was, you know, that rule. I like the owner. Uh, so I call uh, Toby, our mechanic. I'm like, Toby, how much will it cost to do um, a clutch? And then whenever they, somebody says it probably needs a new flywheel, I just assume it needs one. Right. right? I just assume it needs it. Uh, and so Toby did like the math, and he's like, the, the parts are $1,200. It's a 16-hour job. I charge about 100 bucks an hour. And you're looking at basically 3500 for a $3,000 car. Right. Well, that's because it was an engine and transmission out job. And right. He's like full subframe. It's a, it's a big job. Yeah. So, so then, then, of course, you know, I call the guy back. And this is also another thing. Uh, one of the things that's super frustrating both on Facebook and on Craigslist is uh, people just don't, you know, you'll email people, you'll text people, and they never get, they never call you back, they never text you back, they never email you back. So I always try to uh, give them the courtesy of, of the fact that, you know, this is what I think and this is what I'm going to do. So I call them back and I'm like, hey, you know, I called our mechanic and you're selling a car for 3000 It's going to cost $3,500 to repair. It just makes no sense. Right. So that was a no-go. That was a no-go. It was a no-go. There's another one, by the way. Is there? In Boulder. Uh-huh. Um, 1900 bucks. Oh, God. What's wrong with yeah, it? Yeah, it ne- needs a CV boot <laughs> and um, potentially a front air strut. But apparently it runs and dries, and it's got, it still has air suspension. Okay. The right one is kind of flaky, the right front one. He said it, one time it wouldn't, wouldn't rise, but every other time it's been perfect, which means that it will be broken when you get there. Um, but anyways, if you want one, 1900 bucks. That's even less. It's even less. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I just want one that I could... Uh, do a video series around. Well, this is that, the one that will run, and I can actually drive it, as opposed to you know, like with with one wheel this on is the ground. The one. It's just an air strut. Put a new air strut in the front right, and you'll be good to go to Moab. Uh-huh. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's that's my rule about the owner. This guy was great. You know, we had a, I think we you know we had a great conversation. We talked to each other like we weren't you know trying to scam each other. He was honest. I was honest with him. Uh, we didn't end up buying it. Maybe somebody ended up buying it, but uh, you know, just you know, there's that golden rule, right? Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Right. So what other horror stories can, should you avoid from our experience of buying these cheap vehicles on Craigslist? Um, oh, we had the, the Mini debacle. Yeah, let's talk about that. That was an interesting one. That's a good lesson learned. My classic Mini there. Yeah. I bought it from a guy who uh, bought it from the importer because it came out of Japan. Yep. It's a yeah, classic Mini, so 93 Rover Mini. Yep. Bought it as a non-runner. And for 5000 Yeah, and he said he's driving along and started making a funny noise, and then it stopped running. And he thought it was something small and simple. Um, <laughs> and then uh, it turns out that the uh, clutch had fallen out of it, and it turned out to be a five-month job that cost because of COVID getting parts. It costs like forty five thousand dollars, five hundred bucks, five thousand dollars to get fixed. Yeah. And then that was just the beginning because he failed to uh, tell me. Speaking of the emissions thing, which can be a real disaster, by the way, that um, even when it was running, when he was driving it, he had failed emissions. I think three times. So it not only. Uh, did we have to spend, you know, twice the, the value of the vehicle to get it back on the road? But then it still wouldn't pass emissions because he didn't make that clear. So that was a – it was just a real – Yeah, but look, the, the math sure. – there's, you know, we're talking about two different things here, right? One, we're talking about buying a, a used four-wheel drive car, like most people want. Maybe a second car, maybe something for their kids. Well, sure, this and is. Then, like and a, now you're talking about a classic car, right? Right. Those are two different worlds. Yeah, the classic. <laughs> look, in a classic car, if if you're trying to make that into a, a business venture where where you know you're leading with your head and not with your heart, you're probably buying the not wrong car, make that right? Let's just, I would just assume any. You know, look to me, classic cars are always toys, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and you're always going to spend more money on a toy than you will on basic transportation. Well, that's what we were okay with it, you yeah. know, because it was more of just a, a labor of love. We weren't trying right. to make money on it. Right, right. But I, if, if you're a business and you're trying to think that, hey, this guy's got a, a mini, it just needs, you know, something small, uh, and then all of a sudden it's an engine out, transaxle out job, then you're going to lose money. But because we're not in it to make the money on the cars, and that's another thing, we never buy these cars to make money on them. 
we, we try to get a fair deal, but our job is not to be out there flipping them. It's to do the video series. Yeah, yeah. So, so just so you know, our rule always is, and we've done this a bunch with probably now dozens of cars, we sell them for whatever we uh, buy them for. Until we recently got TFL bids, uh, which we're trying to you know start as a community place to sell some vehicles and trying to bring kind of you guys along with it. But for the most part, our rule is we're not trying to make money on the cars. You know, we hopefully do a good video series, so we buy them and then we sell them for the same amount, like that Audi we just did, right? The Audi. Yep. Um, um, and and that also sometimes includes if we put money into them because inevitably you have to put money into them. Yes. Uh, so, like, you know, if we put one or $2,000, we still sell it for the same amount that, that we bought it for yep. because we, we want to be sure that you understand that we're not out here trying to the, make money in the car goes. selling business. And then we do the charity builds, too. So, like, yeah. the Tacoma yeah. is is that's just going to be auctioned off with all the proceeds going to Mountain State's Children's Home. So. Yeah, we want to try to give back. We're really appreciative of the fact that you guys are watching and listening to our podcast. So, we're doing, every year we do at least one charity build. But anyway, you, you know about that. The other, th- Let's talk about some other things on both Facebook and um, on Craig. Uh, another important thing you want to look at is how long has the ad been up? Ooh, that's a good one. Usually, if the yep. if the ad has been up, we, we had an experience with that just recently. Once again, because we're looking for this uh, four wheel drive kind of under the radar sleeper that most people don't know is a good off roader. Uh, if the if the car has been up for more than let's say. 20 days or even 10 days, there's probably something wrong with it. So I, I called about uh, one of these vehicles that, that hopefully we'll buy on Facebook. Uh, it was very painful because, once again, I had to use Facebook Messenger. I don't have Messenger installed. I don't want to use Messenger. Well, I, that's a you thing, Dad, though. I know, but <laughs> Not I, I, having I know. Messenger installed. Yeah, there's just so many different ways that people try to get a hold of me. I have to kind of, you know what I mean? I have to kind, yeah, of, kind of control that. Um, uh, and so, you know, finally, finally get a hold of him. The car looks on, in pictures, looks in really great shape. We're talking. Uh, and finally, like 10 minutes into the conversation, he's like, oh, yes, it has a salvage title. Right. And I'm like, that's the reason it's been up there for 17 weeks. So that's another reason I like Craigslist. Because um, it tells you. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is the scam bots on Craigslist have been greatly reduced since they've instituted the $5 listing fee. Yeah. On, uh, and the other thing, too, is in order to list a car, you can't actually list it unless you declare what the title status is on the ad. I mean, you could lie about it. You could right. say it has a clean title and it has a rebuilt. But for the most part, you people are probably going to be pretty honest about it. Well, I mean, the upside to Facebook over Craigslist is hopefully you have to be who you are on Facebook, right? So yes. it, it, it does weed out some of, the, uh, some of the more scammy people. But it does lead to additional issues. Like oftentimes dealers go on Facebook and they don't want to disclose their dealer. So they'll take the pictures like in a neighborhood or something. And then it's not until you start diving into their profile or you learn more that you're like, oh, this is ex-dealer just kind of trying to be a, a private party. Yeah, there's a guy on Craigslist here in Denver who does that all the time. And the reason we know he's a dealer is he uses the same fence to take yeah, pictures. Yeah, there's this one fence. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whenever you see a car Whenever you see the brown fence, you're like, oh, that's the guy who's trying to be a yeah, private party. Yeah, and if you're, st- if you're trying to establish just a, a tip to anybody who's out there selling used cars, gentlemen, ladies, if you're trying to establish a business relationship with me and you lie from the get-go about what you what you are, uh, so you, you list the vehicle as an owner, but you're really a dealer. Uh, that's just a no-starter for me. I, I don't care if it's the cheapest, greatest car in the world. I will not do business with you personally uh, because you're already starting the relationship in uh, uh, in a dishonest sort of manner. So immediately I start worrying about everything else. That's true. Yep, that's true. It's always good to find vehicles with service history. That's always a big So one. let's talk about some of the great vehicles that we've bought and some of the good experiences because I kind of feel like we've been talking too much about the bad experiences. Well, it's a lot of good experiences. Yeah, so uh, for instance, one of the best experiences we had was when we purchased that Touareg. And this is this is something we should talk about, right? Uh, so the Touareg popped up. We were looking for, once again, a cheap off-roader. Uh, you know, I liked the owner immediately. Uh, he was a car guy, which is always good. It's always nice to have a car guy because you can kind of talk the same language or a car gal. Uh, and, uh, you know, we go out to his house, and the first thing that I noticed immediately was the vehicle was exactly as described, which, yep. which is always good. Uh, and then uh, he had an entire booklet. And we've gotten a bunch of these cars where there's some mis- mis- meticulous people out there who just keep really good records. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is more important than just on that vehicle itself because we found that a vehicle that is maintained and owned, even if it has a reputation for being exceptionally uh, troublesome, right? So the Touareg, first-generation Touareg, is like, in some ways it's like that all-roader, right? The air suspension tends to fail. The engines have issues. But if you have a 
car that's for whatever reason not the most mechanically um, stout car, as long as it's been maintained, as long as the owner has taken it in. I'm not talking about just oil changes. I'm talking about like fixing things when they break. Yep. Uh, then that vehicle is exceptional. You know, we've put very little money into the Touareg. You know, uh, very the batteries failed. Right. Uh, and there are some vehicles. That, the other thing, it's good to know like what you're getting into. So, for instance, this is a this is a good lesson too. In most cars, a bad battery is just an assumption that you're going to spend a hundred bucks, right? Give or take on a new battery. But with vehicles like the Touareg, tell them what you end up having to do. Well, you have to take out the whole driver's seat, and it lives underneath the driver's seat, and the driver's seat is this big powered monstrosity thing. So it's a it's a big job, and also the battery is like the size of a tank battery. So it's the a special battery. The battery itself is like a hundred and two hundred and fifty ninety bucks, but that's with labor. I think we had Toby do it. Yeah, it was like half an hour of labor. So it's like one ninety two hundred bucks for the battery. Just yeah. So you, you should probably know what you're buying. Well, sure. That's that's another podcast though on like how to research the car and make sure you want to buy that car. But anyway, so we showed up. The deal. The guy had this incredible booklet mm-hmm. of yeah. Of, it was, you know, as advertised. And the other nice thing about that was a lot of that service work was actually done at the dealership. Right. So mm-hmm. so I'm not saying like your local mechanic isn't good, but the dealership, you know, does have uh, original OEM parts that they use, and that's why it's more expensive. The, the mechanics tend to have to have like in-house training to work on those vehicles. Yep. Uh, and so if you see a vehicle where it's been maintained at the dealership, uh, that's a really good sign. Uh, you know, local mechanics are great too, but the dealership is more expensive. So if that owner was willing to pay more to keep that vehicle up and running, that's a vehicle you want. Yep. So we had a lot of good experiences yep. too. Um, I had a, a black Cooper S, a 2010. Yep. That guy was really good. He met us in Denver. Uh, super nice guy. Um, was very forthright with the problems in the car. Uh, was honest about it, and then was a f- fair negotiator. So that was a good one. Uh, so let's talk about some of the kind of the etiquette of of how you do this, right? Okay. Um, so first of all, we're in COVID. Uh, so the question is, do you wear a mask or not? You know, um, I've read that 50 to 70% of COVID cases are transmitted by people who are asymptomatic, which means they don't know they're sick. So I always wear a mask. Okay. Like that's a personal preference. Like we went up to the, this dealership. Um, you know, the dealer wasn't wearing a mask, um, but I always wear a mask. He said, do you want me to put on a mask? I said, that's up to you, you know, but I want to protect myself, so I wore a mask. So that, that's the first thing, you know. It was, when we first started doing this, it was weird meeting people because you want to shake their hands. That's the other thing. People like to shake hands. It's kind of a cool thing. I do the elbow bump now, uh, and I, I kind of try to diffuse the situation because people immediately want to shake hands, and I'm like, hey, thanks, but I'd really prefer to do this. When we do the elbow bump, get past that moment. I'm wearing a mask, get past that moment. And then, of course, with both Craigslist and Facebook, there's a question of the test drive because if you read the articles, um, and the, I mean, if you read the ads, a lot of them say uh, money in hand for a test drive, right? People, people are rightfully worried about somebody just wanting to take their baby for a test drive. Well, then just don't, don't do that. <laughs> so, would, so would you buy a car without test driving it? Um, no, I, what I mean is, is uh, don't be that person that goes and just wants to joyride a car. I mean, be serious about it. No, no, but I'm saying... No, 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 I, I always test drive it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I typically like to bring the owner with me, um, and then I'm also... But, but during COVID, I don't like to bring the owner, because if they're not wearing a mask... I, I, but I, you can roll the windows down, too. You I mean, it might be cold, but that's a, it's, a, it's a way to kind of mitigate the risk, potentially. But, but what we have found is, what you, you know, show up when you say you're going to show up, uh, and then tell them why you're buying the vehicle so they understand why you're buying it. And then if you can establish a rapport with the owner of the car and if they can have a sense that you're not an axe murderer, right, that you're not out there trying to flip the car, that you're not out there just trying to, to hammer them down on the price, right, because a lot of owners are afraid of that, um, then, um, then you know, they usually allow you to test drive the car. So I, I, I kind of try to get to know the owner. I kind of try to first spend time looking around the car. So the first thing I do is I do a complete walk around right see see if there's anything externally that that is wrong with it uh then uh, you know i asked the owner kind of their history with the car and when we're having a conversation i ask him if i could uh look under the hood uh, we look under the hood then of course we look under the car or where it's parked to see if it's dripping because inevitably used cars drip oil and i just hate having cars where i have to keep cleaning up after them if that may not be an issue right like old jeeps will always leak oil from the diffs but it's good to know uh, because if you have a nice garage and your wife's going to yell at you when the thing is peeing itself it's not a great thing so I look at that and then once i've established that rapport i say would you mind if we take it for a test drive and when i do the test drive I can get a pretty good sense for the vehicle going around the block. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, you don't have to 
Well, it, it, it's so, a preference thing. Some people like to take it on the highway and on the back road. But what we do, and we've had very good luck with this, is we, if we're in like a, like a suburban area, we'll take it for maybe a five- or six-minute test drive. But in that test drive, we'll try the acceleration. We'll make sure it hits all the gears. We'll try the brakes. We'll give it an evasive maneuver in a safe way, of course. We'll, we'll push every button, so the AC, the heat, the, the lights, the, the radio, windows. all of it. There's nothing – got to tell you, there's nothing more annoying than having a, like a driver's side window that does not roll down. Uh, <laughs> Is that a deal breaker? You, 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 no, it's expensive. It's a pain in the butt to fit, fix, and it's a pain in the ass if you want to go to like a, like a drive up or if you want to talk to somebody every time you have to open the door. So these are little things. And on old cars, these things are things that fail. But you want to make sure that, of course, all the buttons work, all the all – the, and then it's a real pleasure here in Colorado if they actually have an emissions because emissions can be very expensive as we've talked about. Yeah, and the other thing I'll do too is – so if it's like a truck or an SUV with four-wheel drive with selectable, you're not supposed to activate those, you know, driving around on drive surfaces. But what you can do is as long as you're pointed straight, you're – pretty much not going to harm the vehicle sticking in a four-wheel drive just to make sure it'll gauge low range and, and the neutral in the transfer case. So I'll stop in a straight line on the side of the road. I'll put it in a four-wheel drive, make sure it moves in four-wheel drive, and then I'll put it in a low, make sure it moves in low, and then put it back in a two-wheel drive so we can keep, the, keep going on the test. Yeah, and of course the old advice is, you know, take it to your local mechanic and have them check it out, but Jeepers Creepers, Tommy, that is really hard to do. Realistically, yeah. I mean, a lot of the cars we buy are an hour or two hours away from home, and it's, it's just a big stretch to ask an owner. And a lot of the times it'll... They, they might let you do it, but it's a big stretch to be like, hey, can I drive this 40 miles, or do you mind coming out 40 miles and, uh, and uh, going to my mechanic? It's a, it's a big deal. Now let's talk about the, the most kind of um, sensitive part and the part that most people have a, a hard time with, including myself, and that's actually making an uh, offer on the car. So here's a good rule of thumb. In general, on Craigslist, and I, I suppose this is a Facebook marketplace as well, uh, expect to get like a 10% discount on the cost of the car. That's kind of where most people are at with, with vehicles. So if the car is uh, being offered at 10000 you should be able to buy it, unless it's a hot car or there's something really unique about it, for 9000 uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, tend to, I tend to be honest with the person, and I'll be like, you know, if they're asking $5,000, I, I don't want to go do that back and forth that you always see on, like, Wheeler Dealers. That is really awkward for me. I don't want to be that guy. So I'll be like, hey, I'll make you an offer. I'll give you one offer. I'll buy this thing uh, for 4500 um, and then the other part of that is, of course, most people who are selling cars want cash. I feel very uncomfortable with cash. I don't like driving around with that much cash in my pocket. It's a pain in the butt to go to the bank. It's, you feel like a criminal when you walk out with like like this bundle full of cash. You feel like you're going to get mugged. It's you know you're meeting somebody you don't know, and then they know that perhaps you know that you have. So um, you know the the, the way that uh, is is probably the most comfortable is for us if they get to know us and they know us and this is something we can do you probably can't do we have a youtube channel you know we just cut them a company check and most owners are happy with that but that's something that most people won't do if they don't know you and if you don't have you know a very popular youtube channel and and in that case what i prefer to do is if i like the vehicle we have a bank that has branches everywhere i'll be like hey let's go to my bank Uh, we'll go to the bank together and i'll have the cashier cut a certified check um, uh, at the bank and hand it to the owner they hand me the title, we sign the paperwork right at the bank, uh, and that avoids the, the cash thing. If you have to go cash, you know, if it's under $5,000, I'm like, I probably can do cash, but I prefer not to do it. It's just, uh, it's just awkward and potentially dangerous. That, I think that's a you thing. That's a me thing. Well, yeah, I, I think most people, even if it's like a seven or $8,000 car, um, I think it's fairly commonplace to bring cash to the deal. I agree. I think most people appreciate it, especially sellers appreciate yep. it. Uh, for a number of reasons, uh, but as a buyer, I, I don't like to carry around that much cash. And so, I, I, plus, you know, if we're doing it for a business, I like to keep it all, all very, um, you know, traceable for our accountant so that they can see where all the money's coming and going. And cash is kind of, you know, the opposite of that sometimes. That's and that's true. why people prefer cash. Let's be let's be honest about it. Yep. Uh, but we've had a lot of good experiences buying cars. I mean, yeah. the most most of them, we only. We typically buy cars if we like the owner only. Yep. Um, so that really mitigates a lot of the bad potential experiences. And we even had a couple good like used car dealer experiences. Do you remember the Comanche? That the, was an incredible idea. The yeah. Comanche I found at a used dealer up in uh, somewhere in northern Colorado. And uh, they were super fast. <laughs> I mean, we That's were, the other thing. Oftentimes dealers, for some reason, it takes hours. So long. Hours. Like all you're doing is like, you know, you're doing... I don't know. We I don't know if they're doing like credit checks or but you know or there's somebody else at the business manager. But you're like sitting there for no particular reason. The Comanche we bought at this dealership 
we were in and out of there in 15 minutes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, here's, awesome. here's the check. Here's as uh, advertised. Here are the keys. Let's move on. You know, uh, Big Green was a perfect experience. That, that was really good. That guy yeah. was really, really good. Yeah. Um, most of them have been good. The Tourag you mentioned was really good. And, you know, when, when they are car or truck or car or truck gals or guys, the other thing they do is they want that vehicle to go to a, a good home, right? They've put their heart and soul into it. They've spent a lot of time either fixing it or customizing it. And so, uh, you know, you want to assure them that this is going to a good home, and that's why I think it's important for buyers to know uh, that uh, you know their, um, their 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 vehicle, their love, their baby is going to some place that's going to be appreciated. That's true. Uh, the the last one, I, I hate to end on this, but we should, um, and because it's a good lesson, let's talk about that Porsche Boxster we bought and 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 uh, how we got taken on that one with with the um, with the, the airbag light. Because if you see an air, okay, let's talk about that. If you see any lights on the vehicle, walk away from it. Really. Uh, airbag lights are a huge red flag. Uh, that means there's usually been an airbag deployment or something seriously has gone on. A check engine light means it won't pass emissions. It could be something as simple uh, as uh, an O2 sensor. Yeah, but chances are or it's not. Mass airflow sensor. It, it, chances. I just assume it's going to be a new engine. I know that's wrong. yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> I don't know why you assume that. You see, like check engine light, you're like, all right, time to plop down eight thousand cash on a new engine. But let's talk about that Porsche. So we bought a Porsche Boxster, right? Uh, the, the first one. Yes, that one was interesting. It did not have a check engine light, and it did not have an airbag light on. But that's because, as it turns out, they were snipped. So someone had disconnected both the check engine li- and the airbag Yeah, there light. are two ways you can do that. And there's an easy way and there's a hard way. Uh, the easy way is just remove the fuses. So it's always good to check to make sure that all the fuses are there. Um, I don't think that was what happened here. No, they actually went and they actually, I think, physically snipped because the wires. Because if I, on most cars, the check engine light's not going to be on a separate fuse. Right. It's going to be as part of, like, the gauge cluster. Yeah, so that was that was a mess. That, that was, was definitely a disaster. That, yep. was, that was a huge eye opener. Although the car turned out to be okay, uh, yeah. we had the issue with the oil air oil separator. That's yeah, why the check it. engine light was on, and, and, and the, the mass airflow actually was why it was on. And the airbag was um, that was as, just had to be cleared because we did the horn rings. And yeah, sometimes we brought it to the dealer, yeah. and they're like, "What's going on here?" And they said, "Oh, just clear it," and yeah. it worked. It was fine. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you get lucky. We just we bought a, a, a mini GP from a, a, a really. Once again, an unpleasant experience from a dealer in Texas. You can look that up. Uh, but one of the things that uh, it had, which he did not tell me, was the check. Uh, the airbag light was on. Yes, but that was because it was a track car and someone had disconnected, disconnected the it. module. But the, the downside there could have been, if they hadn't done that, if it had been an airbag deployment, in that Mini, you would have had to replace the entire computer. Right. Yeah, which would have been crazy expensive. That one had a lot of... Oh, yeah. lights that you, that you typically wouldn't buy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because they weren't disclosed, remember? Yeah, they weren't disclosed. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, once again, uh, you know, when they fudge the thing, you know, when, when there's, uh, like, all these other reasons or excuses or backstories, it's just usually a, a big red flag. And now we're having title issues with that car. And now we're having title. We can't ti- get it registered. We can't get it registered because uh, apparently the dealer potentially skipped title on it. Right. It didn't title it and just gave us a title from the previous dealer, which is called skipping title. By the way, that's also another thing. Skipping title is very illegal. Uh, so what that means is uh, you get a title uh, and the previous owner didn't register it. Well, it'd Basically, be like, you get the title from the previous, previous owner. So if, if Jump title. It would be like if I bought a car from Blazy. Yeah. Blazy's a dog, right. and Blazy's name was filled in on the front of it, and then I said, don't worry, I'll fill it out at home, and I don't write my name in the back of it, and they immediately try to resell it to you, but the title is still in Blazy's name. Yeah, jumping but, title. Yeah, that's going to be a... Yeah, very illegal. It's a no-go. Uh, and creates a lot of issues. You're going to spend a lot of time at the DMV or... Uh, it could. I mean, it, I've accidentally bought a car with the skip title, and it was, it was I got lucky with it, and DMV didn't check. Um, they, they didn't, I mean, the, 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 the owner I bought it from didn't even bring it into the DMV. Like, they just immediately resold it. Um, but that's not a good thing. Yeah, and the other time we, we really had a hard time was when you bought that Scout. Talk about that title mess. Well, that was just a So that was a barn find. We bought, we bought a barn find. Right, and it had a... Um, An original... No, so the issue was was that the internationals had a serial number. As I was told, it had a serial number, not a VIN, because it was a It was before farm. VINs, yeah. It was 61. It was the first year. It was ancient. And it was uh, it had a title, a clean title from Nebraska... Uh, no, no, from Wyoming, Wyoming right? Wyoming, yeah. It's a Wyoming title, but this title was like an archaeological find. It was seriously 40 years old, maybe 45 years old. It was like just hot. Just, it was incredible. Um, anyways, the it had a, a assigned VIN on it. So the state of Wyoming had assigned the car a VIN, but had not actually affixed the VIN anywhere on the vehicle. 
which is crazy. I mean, and, and that seems very wrong, but who knows what the rural Wyoming DMV was doing back in the 80s. Um, so, so when I went to uh, get it registered here in Colorado, if you have an out-of-state title, they have to do a VIN check. And when they do the VIN check, they said, well, this VIN number is not attached to this vehicle. It's got just this random serial number. So then I had to go through this huge long process of working with the state to confirm that uh, the title belonged to the vehicle and that it was, in fact, the right title to the vehicle. And then they had to run it through Wyoming. And and then, uh, luckily, I didn't have to go through the bonded title process. There was this nice lady at the DMV who, like, walked me through a little shortcut so I could get it uh, registered. But it was just – it was seriously like a four-month-long thing. Yeah, so so the lesson I took away from that, and you're going to make fun of me, is don't buy cars with out-of-state titles. Yeah, I will make fun of you for that. (laughs) I'm serious. If you're going to buy a car with an out-of-state title – Make sure you understand the title rules and make sure that the VIN matches the car. That, that would be a good So here in Colorado, and I don't know how it is in your state, but here in Colorado, if you buy a title from an out-of-state uh, with an out-of-state title, the very first thing you have to do is you either have to take it to the DMV or you can take it to the police station on certain days, which now with COVID are like you know between 12 and 12.01 on a Tuesday afternoon, and actually do a VIN inspection. Probably by appointment. I had to do mine by appointment, and that was... So ago. why? Why do I want to go through that hassle? Why, well, you know, if there's two cars and they're both, you know, very similar, why do I want the one where I have to deal with? Well, the, if I w- the, if I could find 61 Scout barn finds in Boulder here, I would have yeah, just done I'm, that. But I'm but saying it's if you're buying, rare if thing. You're buying, you know, if you let's say you're buying a Jeep Grand Cherokee, there's any given time in Colorado, there's 25 Jeep Grand Cherokees on both. Craigslist sure, I mean it's preferable to buy one locally. Well, well, and then you're also wondering why is that person selling it? An out-of-state car, right? That's also another red flag. A lot of times here in Colorado, you know, people buy bringing cars. And the cool thing about Colorado is, you guys may not know this, uh, but for the most part, we don't have much rust here. Uh, it's an arid state. We get a lot of sunshine, uh, and cars just don't tend to rust. That's about to change, though. Well, they're using magnesium they chloride. They just started now. using mag chloride on the roads. Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, Colorado cars were always rust-free. So now, I'm, I'm, you know, immediately, I'm not that interested in any car from the East Coast because chances are it's going to be rusty. From the Midwest, it's going to be rusty. God help you if it's from Florida on the coast, that's going to be crazy rusty because mm-hmm. of the salt air. Uh, so really, the only you know, the cars I want to buy, once again, rust to me is uh, is very expensive to repair bodywork. Are California cars, Colorado cars, Arizona cars, New Mexico cars, and out of all three of those, I'd rather get the Colorado car. I don't have to deal with any of that. We but don't. what if the New Mexico car is far better? It's in better shape, it's lower mileage, it's, it's com- more affordable. Look, look you know, it depends. If you're buying a classic car, sure. But if you're buying a commodity, like a Touareg or, you know, pick Grand Cherokee, a 10-year-old F-150, whatever it is, they made millions of those, and they'll be versions of those vehicles that are on Colorado titles. Yeah, that's true. Another, another red flag I check for is if the car is being resold, not just in that two-month period, but even, even like, let's say, if they hadn't held on to it for at least a year, to me, that immediately suggests that they run into some issue that's very expensive to repair, and they just want to flip it. And, you know, they bought a car, they've held it, you know, uh, and, and you'll, oftentimes the story won't be like, I bought this car, uh, and I took it to my mechanic, and I found out that it needs uh, a new engine because, you know, the compression in number four cylinder is down. Uh, what they'll say is, oh, you know, because of COVID, I'm not using it anymore. Sure. Right? That, that, not every person will be completely honest with you. Right. Uh, and that's, of course, when you'd want to take it to your mechanic, but good luck with that. Right, that's true. All right, well, let us know what you think in the comment section below. And, and if you, you know, I'm sure we, we've made every mistake there is. Uh, yes. We'd love to hear your continuing experiences. Continuing to make mistakes. Yeah. We, we're continuing to learn. And this is just kind of how, you know, the, the, these are the lessons that we've learned over 10 years of buying and selling uh, either, you know, used cars. And so we'd love to hear what you think and the experiences that you've had. Yep, and we'll see you guys next time. As always, this is Roman. Yep, and Tommy. Saying check out tflcar.com and tfltalk.com for more news, views, and what? Honest and independent reviews. tfltalk.com is not a website. TFL Talk on the YouTube channel. Yes. <laughs> don't go to tfltalk.com. Don't go to TFL. We're, we're I don't know some, what that is. I don't know what that is. God to help you. That could be terrifying. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.